Welcome to Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, ownership, especially for real estate agents and real tours. Learn from the experts. Hey guys, free land education. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant with United Country Real Estate, Sutton Properties, along with my co-host today, uh, Teresa Martin, who's out selling real estate, so she won't be with us, but uh, we'll recognize her. Buying or selling homes, land or farms in western Piedmont, North Carolina, or southern Virginia, just give us a shout. Hey, guys, we'll help you out. Our office is at 102 East Main Street, next to BB&T Bank in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. Our company website is www.allsuttonproperties.com. That's A-L-L-S-U-T-T-O-N properties.com. All of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and members. And our national website is www.rliland.com, rli.com. Hey, if you're buying or selling land, you want to work with the experts, and we're the tops in our industry. There's about 1,400 of us nationwide, and we have a designation accreditation called Accredited Land Consultant, which I'm proud to be one, and there's about 500 of us. So, uh, again, if you uh, want to buy or sell land, you want to find somebody in your area, go to the national website, and you can find all of our members and ALCs. Hey, we'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com. Buying or selling land, LandHub is the place to be. Program note, Dr. Bobby's Ask the Doctor show will follow this show and will air at 10 a.m. So make sure you stay tuned. Dr. Barbie always has something of interest. Hey, our guest today is Randall Blankenship. Hey, Randall. Hey, Lou. How are you? Good morning. Welcome. Thanks. Where are you calling from? So I'm uh, in Asheville, North Carolina, up in the mountains of western North Carolina. Oh, the area. God's, God's country up there now. It's one of my favorite cities. Did you grow up there? It is. Born and raised here, never left. I uh, yep. love my mountains too much to, to go elsewhere. I can always get on a plane and go visit, but I love calling Western North Carolina my home. Oh, boy. I envy you. It's one of my favorite places. Uh, did uh, does your family grow up there, too, several generations? Got a couple generations here on my dad's side. My mom's family is actually from uh, originally West Virginia. Okay. So, yeah. Just over the hill? Uh, oh, a little bit further up the hill. Yeah, a couple uh, hills. Greenbrier County. A couple hills, then. <laughs> So you've got, uh, uh, you are the, uh, with Caldwell Banker, uh, King is the name of your firm, in Asheville, uh, North Carolina. And uh, you're, how long have you been a real estate agent? Well, I've been uh, active in the business for a little over nine years now. Uh, I did grow up in the business. Uh, I'm a second-generation realtor. My mother had a firm here. Um, she uh, had her firm for several years, closed it right about the the height of the market because she saw it coming. Uh, being an accountant by trade, she knew numbers, and, you know, she kind of saw the writing on the wall, and so she closed her firm then. So I worked with her a lot, so I had a good basis in knowledge, working knowledge. So when I left corporate America um, about 10 years ago, um, I jumped into what I knew I would always come back to. It is my passion, which is real estate. Yeah, once once you get in the blood, it's hard to get it out, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah, my dad was in real estate. He died when I was 18 in Charlotte. And um, I used to go with him, you know, showings and stuff. And that old 59 Buick with the uh, mirror pulled down on the lady's side. And Buick is a beauty, too. And it had one of them wonder bars. You'd touch it and it'd find the, you know, the strongest station that was in the area. That was that was the new technology back in 1959. But wow. uh, I um, kind of got my feet wet then and said I didn't ever want to be in real estate. 
And of course, here I am. I've been involved since uh, 1994 and love every minute of it. Kind of wish I'd done it all my life, but, uh, you know, got a few more years left here. So you got a few designations uh, that uh, we want to talk about. When, when you get your real estate license, you're a real estate agent. Uh, when you uh, join the, uh, an MLS and the State Association and the National Association of Realtors, uh, we have organizations that specialize in the different uh, specialties, as we call them, uh, in our industry, uh, one of which is the Realtors Land Institute that I introduced you to. We're the land people. And then we have CCIM, for example, which is the commercial guys, and IRM and SOR for property management, uh, residential or industrial. And then we've got the other specialties. Uh, what is CPPS? So uh, I think you abbreviated it down. I'm a, I'm a luxury uh, certified agent through Coldwell Bankers Global Luxury Program. Um, and that's, that's a brand designation for, you know, doing marketing for luxury properties globally. Um, there's only, I think, about 3,500 of us worldwide that have got that designation within the you know, 90,000 Coldwell Banker agents. So wow. um, that's, that's on the luxury property side of things. Okay. But uh, the, the GRI is one that, I, you know, is near and dear to my heart. Graduate Realtor Institute, which is the first one I took, um, and I started it immediately following uh, getting licensed because I knew I had that data dump a class, which is part of the business, but you learn the business when you're in the business. And um, so uh, I took my GRI when it was still 12 classes, traveled the state, and met lots of folks who I learned a lot of great things from and um, uh, a lot about the business, especially into specialties and such, which is uh, one of those was my new construction course, which is actually kind of what took me down my original road in real estate of, of kind of concentrating on new construction. Okay. So, uh, great one there. And then I got my ABR for my credit buyer representative, working with buyers a lot. And then my at-home with diversity um, certificate. And, you know, I've uh, actually got about three others in the works, you know, of the classroom time except for going in and production. So uh, over this next year, I'll actually have a couple more added in there. Um, I find it extremely, extremely important as a professional in the industry and to be a professional that I have to continuously learn and educate myself and to be the best agent I can be for uh, my clients. And so uh, the designations provide a great avenue to do that because they also provide that continual updating and information and hot topics within each of those realms. So it's uh, the education is something that's near and dear to my heart when it comes to the profession. Well, you know, we're, we're very fortunate in our industry. We're self-policing. We have our own code of ethics, which we may get a chance to talk a little bit about today. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, it's all volunteers. Uh, you know, we... we um, You've got uh, a laundry list of committees and, uh, and, 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 and associations that you're part of, and this is all donated time. I'm on, you know, I've been on several myself. I'm on the uh, Commercial Forums Committee, been on it since 2008. I was uh, on the um, uh, NCRCA, the Real Estate Ed, uh, Commercial Allowance, uh, as their governor for a couple years, uh, volunteering. And of course, I've been involved in our state Carolina's chapter now, it used to be North Carolina, but it's North Carolina, South Carolina. Carolina's chapter, Realtors Land Institute, is our president a couple times and been on the board every year but one. And, uh, you know, you give back, but as giving back, you network. And the biggest part of our business is networking. Um, and I'm sure you, like myself, have relationships all over the country. And, uh, you know, I do consulting all over the country. Somebody will call me up and say, hey, Lou, uh, I just inherited a ranch out in Wyoming from one of my uncles, the strange uncles, and I don't know what to do with it. I don't want it, 
what should I do with it? So I'm networking with one of my ALC buddies uh, in that area and, uh, you know, hooking them up. So, uh, and we do it here locally too. Uh, I mean, we, like yourself, uh, you know, we do referrals. That's part of our industry where if we have a buyer or seller that's uh, uh, either looking for something, Randall, that's um, uh, not in our immediate market uh, or familiarity or specialty, uh, somebody calls me up and they're looking for a commercial property. I'm not a commercial broker, so I'm going to hook them up with a commercial broker. Or if someone's looking for uh, new development, I, you know, I may hook them and they're looking for actual, and we'll give you a call or refer you to them. And that's one of the really nice things. Uh, I probably 10 to 20% of my annual business comes from referrals. I'm either giving them out or, or, or give the people who are giving them to me. So, uh, you know, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, Lou, that it really is. The, the network that we, we build throughout our involvement, you know, it's volunteer time, and I get asked a lot, well, why are you volunteering all this time? I'm like, well, part of it is it's a twofold for me. It's my profession. I, I want to be a part of it. I want to be at the table and not on the menu. But more so, I get an education, and it. And I've never been to an event or a meeting or a conference or anything that I've never came back with something that I've not learned personally, professionally, plus built uh, professional relationships. I mean, right now, actually, Lou, I've actually got five, the five buyer clients I'm working with right now are all referrals really? from folks I know across the U.S. Yeah, good for you. Direct referrals from, from the involvement. So yeah. it, it's important. One of the things I want to talk, to talk about this morning, if it's okay with you, introduce a lot of people don't understand what MLS is, uh, multiple listing services, you know, got started and what it is and what our functions are. And uh, a lot of people get confused with these what we call third-party uh, websites, uh, specifically uh, Realtor.com. Uh, I know a lot of people think that uh, that's part of the National Association of Realtors. It's not. It's a privately run uh, company and we license the word realtor to them so uh, they don't have any direct relationship with our association other than a licensing arrangement and then you got the uh, Zillow's and the home.coms and and stuff like that and lands of America and land watch the land websites uh, but uh, these are what we call third-party sites and my advice to uh, the listers out there and I hope you uh, support this is uh, you know, if, you, if you're looking in an area and you don't have a relationship with an agent, um, you know, you may want to just put in that county or in state, for example, Bumpkin County, North Carolina, and put in the acronym MLS. And what that will do is it will take you to usually one of the national sites, uh, definitely, uh, uh, and they'll have their listings, and then they'll say search area listings or something similar to that. And when you go to that particular part of the site, it actually takes you to the MLS site that if you were in my office or Randall's office, it's the same information and it's, it's active. It's what's going on right now as opposed to third parties coming in and, uh, you know, they don't keep up. I, mean, I have people call me all the time on these third-party sites and something I sold six months ago and it's still on the site. And it really wastes people's time. It's aggravating to me. Sorry. Don't like to start out with a negative, but <laughs> I want to get that behind us. So, so what's the function of the um, multiple listing? What, what's that all about? So, you know, I, th I think this uh, goes back many decades, you know, Lou, is the fact that, you know, as, as realtors and when we come together in our associations, our local associations, we, you know, come together and they would meet and uh, talk about the listings that they got because, you know, way before the dawn of technology, the Internet, you know, even these wonderful cell phones and all that, you know, the, we had landlines and, um, you know, that was about it, not even a fax machine. And so um, realtors would 
together, I think, and come come together at their local association and talk about, you know, those land tracks you've got. I talk about the couple residential listings I've got with folks who are willing to sell, and it was kind of, it was a collaboration. You know, it was that sharing of information so that we could better assist each of our clients, whether we had the listing or the potential buyer, so that we knew what was out there and on the market and available and the statistics of it. And, you know, obviously through evolution and time and technology, those that the particular, if we will, use multiple listing service kind of as the acronym there has grown and, and morphed and manifest into, you know, a very digital uh, digital thing these days with a immediately and readily available information. You know, it, it took a little while to get there. You know, there was I, I remember the days of uh, going to the board of my mom and picking up our new book, you know, once about every two weeks because you sent your listings in, they get printed and you come back, you get that book, and you could thumb through it, and it was organized with this microscopic print on really fine paper. And if you spilled some coffee on it, you were just done. Yeah, that's right. But uh, you know, you would uh, flip through there, and you know there were five homes that met your client's criteria. Well, that was it. You know, that was kind of it. It was kind of the source of the information. And then, uh, you know, we kept moving and um, shaking and um, evolving, and you know, the multiple listing services continued to uh, kind of evolve since then. Now, I'll take you back uh, even before that. Uh, we used to go up to Mount Airy every Wednesday to a restaurant. We moved around to different ones, and you would uh, painstakingly bring your listing that you uh, did on a DOS computer with no photograph, but it did have the format so you could put all the information in or the information at the time, and you lay them out on a table. And then at some point in the meeting, you'd get up and you'd go pick up one from each of the agents and come back and three-hole punch it and put it in a book, one for residential one for land one for commercial like that and uh, when a client would come in this this precedes the ms mls books you're talking about and uh, that was kind of uh, the way it was done to uh, share information but uh, yeah it definitely was so it's uh and now we've kind of evolved into the you know more modern day and the streamline of peace there um you know that's a it makes it super available to a lot of people, which I think is where we get a lot of the, the misnomer of who's got the data and who, where does the data actually come from and, and where is it the most accurate, you know, um, because there's so many different sources of data out there. Oh, it's unbelievable with the, uh, uh, the list hubs and then the uh, other th sites, you know, like with land, you know, we, we, uh, we have to pay for advertising. People don't realize this other than our MLS dues, but, uh, you know, I think uh, land, land, uh, Lands of America's used to be like uh, $150 a month, and, uh, you know, and, and you put unlimited listings. But anyway, our guest today is Randall Blankenship, and this is Let's Talk Land. Our sponsor is LandHub.com. View thousands of properties for sale on LandHub.com. So, Randall, you know, let's, let's pick this up and talk about uh, the information. Let's talk about the quality of that and where all that comes from and how you access it. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I say, the, the MLS has evolved into uh, a new thing and, and, you know, with, with immediately available data and just, you know, so much data out there. It's almost like data overload to folks, especially like you were talking about all the third-party sites and, you know, um, bringing information in. You know, the MLS is as current in most of your MLS day, you know, they really concentrate and pride themselves on being that platform of the data because it's where we as realtors can go and, put the data in and we've got a subset of data, you know, 100 questions to fill out about the property so that we can share that with our other fellow agents and, you know, when you can set up searches for your clients and 
and that kind of thing about the data that's important to the consumer. You know, that's, that's always evolving because we find new trends or new things that we need to include that, you know, weren't a thing 15 years ago. Um, you know, one, one that comes to my mind is uh, Internet accessibility. And, you know, that's kind of on everybody's mind right now. And, you know, having a field that you can search by that and uh, other things such as that that are important to the consumer as we evolve. And so the MLS really concentrates, MLSs do, on, on making sure that that data is collected from realtors put in the system so that then everybody's got access to it and not just a small group. Um, so that way, you know, if you've got a buyer and you're looking, you can go to MLS and know that all the listings are in there. And um, it provides a place for, uh, you know, collaboration and compensation um, offerings so folks don't have to wonder about things. And it um, and ultimately that data feeds out to your, you know, it will feed out to those third-party sites that are part of it, but there's always a delay there. So, when you're getting the data real-time from MLS or you're hooked up and using a realtor that is open to portal for you so that you know when houses hit the market, you've got that data firsthand. I mean, I had a case recently, and client uh, have them on the portal, and they uh, saw a house hit the market. And, I mean, I saw it hit because I got notified too, and we were dialing each other's number at the same time. And, well, we got the house under contract, multiple offers, but she called me the next day, and she goes, it's funny that this house just now hit my Zillow inbox a day later. I was like, yep, that's the reason you yeah. want to use a realtor that is connected to their MLS and has got you set up there because that data is real time. Boy, Randall, you know, Randall, that's so important, especially in this heated market we've been in here for the last 12, 15, 18 months. I mean, we put five houses on the market last month, and within 24 hours we had multiple offers. Uh, two of them went for 3000 over what the list price. One went for 10000 I mean, these people are crazy out there, but you know, it's, 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 it, it, I mean, I'll tell you, our market space is, is, is crazier, I believe, than, than a lot, you know, just because of the de definite area that it is. I mean, I, I've got colleagues that know of, of two recently that went for forty and 50000 over list price, wow. and they were probably already listed high because folks knew they could get it. Sure. So, again, it just drives home that point of that, you know, when you're working with a realtor and, you know, realtors cooperating in MLS and being a part of MLS is extremely important. Because, um, you know, over time and technology and, you know, sites have updated and started downloading stuff more real-time, but it's not as real-time as getting it directly from the MLS. Because there, when that save button hits and that listing goes live, you know, you're notified immediately if it's set up that way. There, and, is, uh, there, there is one caveat I, I want to bring to the audience's attention. Uh, even though we're instant uh, in our MLS information, uh, it may – we cannot put a – listing in as a pending or due diligence or whatever the acronyms are for uh, for uh, taking it off the market and there may be a verbal agreement and there's eight people that's got to sign a contract and they're scattered all over the country so even though it's it's verbally under contract and so on it'll show as active but unfortunately when you call the agent they say sorry we had multiple offers and they've accepted one we're just waiting on the paperwork uh, i had one this morning uh, Guy called me on one of my son-in-law's listings, and uh, and uh, it only been on the market 13 days. And guy was real excited about it. And my son-in-law just happened to stick his head in my office. I said, "Hey, what about this one on this road over here?" He says, "Lou, you won't believe it. I had 22 offers on it." And he said, uh, "It's under contract verbally. I'm waiting on two signatures, cash offer." He said, if you, "I mean, you can still put another offer in, but uh, it's gone. You know, technically you can until it's under contract." Technically, you know, if the seller, and it's all up to the seller, wants to accept another offer. 
It is, you know, and that, that's a really great point for folks to understand to know that, you know, it, it, they get frustrated with us. I've had to call myself just like you did, and they, they don't understand that, you know, it, it's committed to. I mean, if you want to write an offer and put it in, you know, as agents, we'll present it when it's even when it's under contract. Absolutely. You know, our, our obligation is to present all offers to our sellers, um, or, you know, and that's our fiduciary duty. And, you know, I've, I've had it happen, and sometimes it works out, but the first one falls through. and. Yeah. Those folks' persistence, the, the sellers have said, you know what, I really want to, you know, I want to try to work with these folks. So, well, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think it's very important to point out that there is some lag time in that, knowing that houses are going quick, that in that first 24 hours, it may be locked up in hour one, but it doesn't get changed for till the next day because you're waiting on every T to be dotted and I to be crossed because technically, you know, in North Carolina, we don't have a contract until it's all signed by all parties. And be verbal all day long. And money delivered. That's a really good point. Yep, and money delivered and signed for. So. Yep. So that's uh, definitely a key point there. But um, but again, you know, it's yep. up, it's up, it's up to the it's up to the our principal. It's up to the seller. Uh, if they say no, I don't want to accept any more offers. Then you don't. You do what they tell you to do. It's not a realtor's decision. So uh, keep that in mind. Exactly. You know, and 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 I think sometimes we get we get in that hard spot because folks want to do and that you know we're just we're we're passing along the information that. It's just like all of us. We're human. When we, we hear information we don't want to hear, we question or we get upset, and it's just, you why? know, it's human nature. Why? So we learn, we learn to go with it. Why, 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 why? <laughs> wow. <laughs> exactly. But, hey, uh, talking you know, about, uh, about having that data back to the MLS, it's, yeah. it's extremely important to have that accurate data, you know, especially for me as a realtor when I go to meet with you as a seller and, um, you know, you're in a neighborhood, there's been eight houses sold, I know that I can go to the MLS. And I can pull that information so that we can sit down and talk about the best list price for you. And then, you know, that in turn goes to the appraisers who are out, you know, appraising the homes that you're buying or selling. And when the lender calls them up and they're trying to do the comparables, you know, MLS is that standard subset of data that they know they can go to because county by county, municipality by municipality, um, data that the public tax records hold is, is very, very different across the state, across the nation. And so um, that that plays a key role. Um, MLS will play a key role in collecting the, the pertinent data that's needed for those reports, so that we can make sure that folks are paying a fair market value, and that you know they're you know the house is, is is appraising for the amount that it should, and is that you know what people are willing to pay? They may be willing to pay more, but you know that that fair market value is able to be established because we've got that standard subset of data that we use across the board all over. Um, and not just again relying on those those tax records or county records or municipal records that you know are, are spotty still in a lot of places. Yeah, a lot of people get confused about tax value. You know that that's only done every four years, uh, and the market, especially the market we've been in the last 24 months, man, that's totally changed. And tax value is just another value. I I actually wrote a class for the North Carolina Board of Appraisers. They have no land education either with uh, Ron Loftus, Loftus Appraisal, he's an MAI. And Winston-Salem, he's been an instructor for years and invited me to bring a land class to them. And, and the name of the course was uh, Rural Land Values. Is it an art or is it a science? <laughs> and with 89 people in the class and four hours later, you know, the, the bottom line is what somebody's willing to pay and what somebody's willing to accept. I mean, you can have all kinds of values out there. You can have five appraisers appraise something. You know, but tax value is, is not a good, you know, it has been historically when you have a stable, steady market. But when you have these ups and down markets, you know, the values in terms of what the, uh, the county uh, assesses that, 
uh, is not, and they've got standards that the that the state provides them. I mean, it's a, every county is under the same guidelines, but uh, don't please don't rely on the tax value, especially in this market. Is my advice. You know, hundred percent true, and it's funny you mentioned that on this. You know, it's it's worth what folks are willing to pay or what folks are willing to sell for. Because I still remember one of my first transactions. Uh, you know, folks come in there. They're from California, they're wanting to buy the, the perfect piece of property. You know, of course, it's mountaintop. They want views. They want a stream. They want, I'm like, well, after about the fourth <laughs> one and they were white-knuckled, they realized yeah. it ain't going to happen. Yeah, right. But we did find this gorgeous six-acre track, and, you know, it was listed. And, again, this is right around 2011 and 12. 12 you know, market's starting to come back. Land is definitely not back yet. And, um, you know, the people that had it listed for 150000 you know, I, I – I pulled the comparables. I showed the folks, hey, look, all I can, if, I, if I'm just doing comparables, right. and it, it, it costs at about $80,000 is what it's worth. But you know what? What it's worth to you could be more than that because of what your projected use is of the property. Exactly. The fact that this is the perfect piece for you. And, you know, they they came to terms, and we sold it for about 140000 and they've been happier in a bug in a rug ever since. They built their dream home here, and um, absolutely love it. And Honestly, to them, they got a steal, um, especially coming from California and paying the prices they pay there. So, um, but it it truly came down to what what are you willing to pay and what's it worth to you? Exactly. So, in terms of our multiple listing, this is nationwide too, um, and um, uh, you know, and, and and it's all network. And there there is a couple sites that are you can go in and, and look around the country uh, uh, for uh, just going to one site and shop around. You know, you'll have somebody's looking in three states. I mean, make up your mind. But, uh, you know, we get those, too. But um, we have in North Carolina, uh, we're talking about these MLSs, and those are a function of a board, a regional, a, a localized board, for example. You guys have uh, uh, Land of the Sky Association of Realtors established back in 1917 uh, with about 1,900 members. You're one of the largest ones in North Carolina. I think Charlotte is the largest. Um, and... Um, but they're, they're these, you know, our local MLS is the uh, Winston-Salem Regional, uh, which covers about 14 counties, including Southern Virginia. And a lot of these boards overlap. Uh, some realtors are actually in more than one MLS association. I'm actually in two because I'm dual licensed. I'm in the Southwest Virginia MLS uh, and also the uh, Winston-Salem. But um, uh, I think we have, a, what, about 45 uh, boards in the state right now? Yeah, we do. I think there's about 45, 44, 45 board of realtors within the state. Those are both residential, and then we have a couple commercial boards in the state. Right. You know, and like you said, each subscribes, and some have their own wholly owned MLS. Some are part of a conglomerate as a regional MLS, you know, because we really saw that trend start picking up a few years ago when, you know, it's a numbers game. It's, it's a number of the best quality and quantity um, data and when you put your heads and pull your resources, you can you can provide a better product. I mean, it's just you know kind of the way it is. And by the way, we have rough, uh, roughly uh, went over 114,000 licensed real estate uh, agents in the state of North Carolina here in the last couple of weeks. We do, and you know of, of that 114 licensees, I think it's important to note that 50,000 of them are licensed realtors, meaning they're subscribed. They are a member of a realtor association and subscribe to the Realtor Code of Ethics. And, um, you know, that's that's definitely something that sets folks apart in the industry from just being a licensee to being an actual licensed realtor. Yeah, I want to do a show and maybe get you to come back and 
do one on the uh, Code of Ethics. It's uh, self-policing. Um, I'll be braggadocious here. Article 11 of our Code of Ethics, and we're over 100 years old, by the way. I think we're the second uh, oldest organization that is self-policing with their own Code of Ethics in the, in the country. Uh, seems to me I heard that a couple years ago when we had our anniversary. But um, Article 11 basically says realtors should not be involved in a real estate transaction that they do not have proper training or education to include the specialties of residential property management appraisal uh, and so on, but it never had land as a specialty. And I brought that to the uh, to our uh, professional standards committee, another committee uh, at the state and the national uh, level, uh, to, to include that. And in 2010, our national board of directors in San Diego is actually teaching our Land 101 class out there at the national convention. But they approved that. So uh, land now falls under that specialty category. So I just wanted to throw that out. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really important to to have that piece there and that self-policing because it does. It holds us to a, a higher level and accountability, you know. It really uh, really is important. Well, you know, it, it's, 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 there's two ways that the public has a, has a problem with uh, our professionalism. Uh, they can contact our local board, and, and there's a process to go through that, or they can actually call the Real Estate Commission. Uh, the board cannot take our license, but the commission can. The board can find us, and the commission can as well. But the difference is, is uh, the commission actually uh, can take our license or suspend them. Uh, so, uh, but hopefully, you don't have to do that, anyone. But just to let you know, if you've got, you know, a serious problem with an agent or a situation, that there are recourse that are established, and all of those are found on the websites uh, on the uh, uh, real estate commission website. It's got a whole procedure and forms and what you do in the process, and also all of our MLS, uh, our boards, uh, the 46 we talked about. Uh, they also have the same thing. Our guest today is Randall Blankenship. This is Let's Talk Land. Hey, thanks to Land Hub. Looking to sell land? Try landhub.com. Okay, MLS. Let's let people know what MLS, Multiple Listing Service. What's this all about? Yeah, Louis, we're, you know, kind of talking. It's, summing it all kind of all up is the fact that the multiple listing service services that are out there ran by the realtor organizations or private individuals that are actual MLSs, you know, they're, they're kind of the aggregate of the data. They're, they're bringing the, the most holistic data to together, and that way we can make decisions on whether what price we're going to put a house at, what price we may want to offer, you know, or even just getting our houses for sale or land or whatever the property is out to, to the world to know um, through a source that is kind of known for its reputation of accurate data. Um, you know, I know we mentioned a lot in the beginning about the third-party sites. You know, the thing I think a lot of folks need to know about the third-party sites is while they may pull a data feed from an MLS to put that information on there, they also pull feeds from multiple other sources because they want to fill that page up with data, which can be confusing to consumers sometimes. You know, um, when they're pulling from tax records or they're pulling, as we talked earlier, you know, those discrepancies in there and what something may have sold for as a private party sale or, or put it in some algorithm to give you some estimated value, it, uh, you know, it, it can be misleading to the public. Um, and that's why it's important to, to have that data that, that's a good data within the MLS so that we can, you know, help educate the uh, consumer about the data that they've seen elsewhere. You know, um, for example, I, I know I, I do this a lot with folks. They see it, they see, they, they look at this house online and they say, well, well, the value 
lot of times it's coming from a third-party site that they're using an algorithm that they use all over the country for the same sales, and they're pulling data from both MLSs, if they're allowing it, and they're pulling it from tax records. But what that computer doesn't know is the house that they're that, that it's comparing to is sitting in the middle of a, you know, a busy intersection, or it's you know right on the river where you got to have flood insurance, or that house that sold was sold well below market because it was a non-arms length transaction and it was the the child the children that the parents just wanted them to have it and they needed to kind of cash out some money so they took a mortgage out and got it for half the value of the house. And when you're trying to compare other houses in a neighborhood or community to that, you get a skewed value because you think that was a sales price, but you don't really know what happened, which drives us back to that local realtor, local data, local information from the MLS to really be able to understand, you know, those values and numbers and such. So, you know, our MLSs play a, play a critical part in the in the property valuation process and within the whole whole scheme of things. So this let, let's bring in the let's bring in the current market analysis. This is a perfect time. Uh, I know that wasn't in our script, but, uh, uh, you know, that's where people say, well, how do you know this is what it's worth? Well, it, you know, like I said, it's what somebody's willing to pay and what somebody's willing to accept. But but uh, there's a little bit of scientific uh, uh, elbow grease that goes into this. It's called current marketing analysis. Get into that with us. Let's explain to our listening audience what that's all about. Yeah, you know, doing a current market analysis is, is what, what is the market doing right now? Because, you know, in a lot of market spaces where it's a really hot market and there's no inventory and, you know, folks are coming in and, and seeing a house go on the market. And, and I'm just going to use round numbers here. And we're going to say it's listed for 550 you know. And, you know, if you do comparables, the house is probably worth somewhere right around 550 by just doing strict comparables for the house. And so when you come in and you got folks that want to make an offer and they're like, well, I think we get a little less or we're going to give, you know, right at asking price and we should get it. And you're happy to explain to them that, well. Well, the the sole comps over the past ninety days say that five fifty, you know, is, is about what it should sell for. You have to take in current market conditions of meaning that there's no other houses out there. And folks, we're in a multi offer situation and there's twenty five other offers in there. So, you know, how how much is this house actually worth to you? You got time? Do you you know, are you in a situation where you need to move and you need to have moved yesterday? Um, are you in a situation where, oh well, this is just gonna be a second or third home and I'm you know I'm going to pay what I want to pay, and that'll be it. And uh, so houses are going sometimes for, you know, five, ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand over asking price because it's what it's worth to that individual. Today. You know? It's what it's worth today. today. Yeah. And it's a combination of both, you know, data and, and just a sheer value to oneself. So uh, I think that skews things as well with folks, and they don't understand the market spaces, is, is that that – that factor comes in a lot, especially when you've got a market with very low inventory, like we are, we're seeing, you know, historically across the nation right now. Obviously, not necessarily in our city centers where we've got some hubs with the current, uh, you know, COVID that's going on, but most of your rural areas are all seeing it dramatically because, you know, they're, they're more rural and, uh, you know, their supply and demand is out there. Yep, and the basis of that is square footage. That's what we in our industry use for basis of value. And then you do the pluses and minuses, which is what the appraiser does. I mean, what we do as a CMA is akin to what an appraiser does. The appraiser just uses a three-methodology approach where we basically use one. Uh, so, uh, and then, you know, this is a land show. I got to toot out a little bit there, too. You know, land values are based on acres uh, per acre cost. 
and uh, then you add in the features is it waterfront views uh, road frontage uh, timber soils uh, crops uh, is it income producing and so on so uh, but the the, the uh, square footage and the acres are the two bases that with real estate realtors out here that's what we use uh, using the data that is collected through the multiple listing service I mean what an incredible resource uh, this our industry has created for us it is it is you know and, and I, I think I want to make one point too there with uh, with how the values are calculated you know North Carolina we are a, a square footage state we use square footage heavily that's correct um, you know and if you're listening to the show from across the US you may be in a city or, or, or a state where actually they use room counts right. um, you know that's true. I know that there are some some areas out there where it's not square footage it's how many bedrooms and how many bathrooms and each gets the value and that's what the appraised value is um, but I think the common denominator when it comes down to land is acreage and how much do you have and what is it worth and what are the, the utilities you've got there you know um, so uh, I think that's important for folks to understand especially when you're moving from one region to another and you're looking at appraisal like well this house here was this because it was a four bedroom why am I paying a two bedroom the same thing well we evaluate a little differently here yeah, so exactly thanks for bringing that out I want to go back to um, land of the sky you guys actually have your own real estate school uh, and, and not we a do. lot of this, the uh, boards have that that's kind of I know the Charlotte board does and a couple others the larger boards but uh, that that school's old too right I mean that's I don't have a date and when that was started but that's been around so, for uh, actually kind of interesting to that you know I talked uh, in the beginning that you know when I first got in the industry that education is a passion of mine and that you don't just learn the industry in that initial data dump and um, so I took the, my GRI and my other classes and I continually go and take classes and courses and well um, I find it very important to do that. Uh, you know, leading up to uh, the year I was president in 2018 of the Land of Sky Association of Realtors, um, that, that was one of my big initiatives, um, honestly, was to provide education to realtors that was relative and current, you know, um, and from folks who were actually actively practicing in the business and not necessarily that had practiced 30 years ago and we're getting updates from a course um, because this industry is continuously changing. Um, it's based off of you learn based off of stories and experiences and scenarios, and it's just hard for somebody to give that applicability when they've not been out there grinding the pavement. So actually the, the Skyland School of Real Estate was a, a, an initiative that I had as president of Land of Sky in 2018. Um, and we brought um, Matt Allen on board, yep. um, who was uh, who's actually That's a JD and a realtor himself. Um, yep. You know, his his background was law, and he had been a, a real estate broker for a couple of years. Um, but education was one of his key uh, key things. That, so I learned through a, a couple other processes when interviewing him. And I mean, he actually used to uh, teach and write CLEs for the bar. So it was kind of that great fit with real estate being his passion. Um, so. We were fortunate to be able to bring Matt on board and, you know, start kicking up our programs and teaching our own CE because the Land of Sky Association of Realtors actually provides, um, in North Carolina, you're required eight, eight hours, four of it as a gin up or bick up, and then four as an elective. We've been, for the past uh, several years, providing those to all of our members free of charge. Yeah, so I know. if they so wish, they can sign up for one of those and take them. Yeah, I, had the, um, I had the privilege of teaching from young Matt and David. Uh, last fall in your association's facility there, which is first class, and my two-day, 16-hour course. and um, It was very well received. We got a lot of compliments on that course, and we're hoping to have you back. We're actually uh, in the process of uh, 
the board will be relocating in probably about eight months or so. We just started demo on a building to upfit it, and we'll have a new state-of-the-art space. So we're, we're really looking forward to hosting you back again, Lou, as well as several others, because, you know, the education is so important. Absolutely. And I think it's the board's role to help facilitate that for its membership. Yeah. And by the way, for the folks in the, in the uh, Asheville, greater Asheville listening audience uh, for the show this morning, uh, you don't have to be a real estate agent or a realtor to attend these classes. Is that right? I mean, if you want to learn about real estate or if you're interested in getting your license, you guys have programs too, right? We do. We do. You know, and we'll be uh, actually teaching the pre-licensing courses. We'll have some, like, get-to-know-the-industry courses. We've got some great things planned for the school, and we're really excited, you know. And we are one of the, if you will, smaller associations that has a school. Usually it's your larger associations that do. Um, that have the, the schools attached to them. You know, definitely you mentioned earlier um, in Charlotte, you've got Canopy Realtor Association right. that has the uh, uh, Education Institute uh, attached to it. Yep, I've talked for them as well. Yep. So, it, uh, you know, it, it's an important piece there, you know, and uh, uh, being that support person to our, to our members, and that's why you're part of this professional organization and, and why you're a realtor. You know, going back to the MLS, as we, we talked about how there's, you know, 45 boards across the state, and we've seen some of that consolidate over time, and we know that MLSs have as well. You know, regionally for uh, Western North Carolina, we used to, uh, when you're talking about being a part of multiple MLSs, I was like, wow, when I first got in, you know, we had we had a regional MLS here that was ran locally, operated locally. You know, it was between the Land of Sky Association, the Haywood Board at the time, and the Hendersonville Board at the time. Right. And, um, but even still, um, I had to be members of a couple because if I sold on out towards Silver Franklin, there was another MLS out there. They actually had two. Um, and then um, I've had friends that are closer towards the like Marion area that were at one point about six years ago members of five different MLSs. Yeah, I remember that. All the you Very know, small areas, they were kind of right in the center. They had to be to be able to service their clients. Yeah. So through the years, though, we're, we're seeing the you know the consolidation, which has given better, more accurate data. You know, we, we regionally consolidated. We uh, consolidated in um, to the Canopy MLS. And, you know, it's been great. And, it, it, again, it, it's data. It's a better product, and it allows us to do to do what's right for our members. And we're seeing that more and more, which is helping streamline the process and also helping, helping agents, you know, not have that burden of paying for six different MLSs just Rand to do business. Randall, how many counties does your association cover? So we cover uh, – we are in Buckham County, Asheville's in Buckham County, uh, Madison. Um, we've got the Brevard area, which is the Transylvania County. Um, so those are the main counties in which we're in. Okay. So obviously our neighbor is uh, Haywood County, and they're part of the uh, Canopy Realtor Association. Right. And we've got Hendersonville for Henderson County. That is part of the Hendersonville Board. Yeah. You know, I, I keep hearing rumors uh, that uh, at one day in the future we'll have a state uh, association where all – uh, counties, all 100 counties will be under one umbrella. I don't know if that will ever happen because there's a lot of politics involved in that, but uh, it's a worthy goal, and I can see the benefits. You know, uh, I, when I first got in, to me it was kind of a no-brainer. Why are we here? Then you learn, you know, you understand the specialty and the, the regionalization. You know, a lot of that has to do with our, our local efforts, and we don't want to lose that local voice, and, and, I, and I fully get uh, I think that we'll see some more uh, probably consolidation and chapters created over the next few years. Um, but I think the one thing that we have to remember and keep in mind that one of the big proponents that we do as realtors and it's part of our code of ethics yep, exactly. is that we are, you know, we are the stewards of our community. And that's not just buying and selling houses and writing contracts. You know, we're involved in our community. We're in our rotaries. We're, you know, 
on our boards of education. We're on our local town governments. We we are the fabric of the community uh, because real estate is the basis of our economy. And so it's super important that we, we keep that voice for to be an advocate for um, home ownership and to be an advocate for our buyers and sellers and our clients daily. And a lot of that's achieved by having that local presence to be able to speak to our representatives, you know, through our, our realtor party initiatives and our realtor pack side of things through the association, which is just one of the many arms and things that the association does and provides for us as members. That's quite an organization. And, and by the way, uh, MLS is, is, is uh, there's no single authority for the multiple listing service. Uh, it's part of the Realtors Association, uh, National Realtors Association. It's part of our processy. And uh, th there's no, uh, but there is a data standard uh, for all MLSs. So uh, even though you're in different parts of the country, with, like we, uh, Randall mentioned, we do square footage. Some people do by rooms. Uh, there's still a standardization uh, that is established for all uh, multiple listing services throughout the state, I mean, throughout the country. So, uh, you know, so that, that uh, gives some assertity and assurity of the information is standardized, and which is important. It is, that, that data. And, you know, we're seeing more and more of that. You know, we have the national organization called RESO, which is the real estate up kind of standards group that is, you know, where MLSs are subscribing to be a part of that data dictionary, which is helping us bring that data into a format so that it can be more useful for us um, and more standardized across the U.S. So it's, it's been awesome to see that that um, journey take take place over the past few years as well. Let's, you know, part of my, my research and stuff, I saw something that you may want to get into a little bit. But uh, what, what are the reasons uh, that, a, that a person would choose to work with a realtor as opposed to uh, working with an independent a real estate agent who's not part of the association or multiple listing services? Uh, in order to have that access, you have to join the National Association of Realtors, take the Code of Ethics course and pass it. That used to be a lifetime when I joined, and then it was every four years, and then it was every two years. Is it every year now? <laughs> it's probably pretty soon. But... Um, what, what's some of the reasons why our listening audience is thinking about selling uh, their real estate uh, would want to work with a realtor as opposed to doing it on their own? Or, and I'm not knocking uh, the other agents. Uh, you know, they, they have their place too. But uh, I think the Realtor Association gives us so much more standardization and education that an independent can't provide. You know, working with a realtor, I think it's, it's important because, as we said earlier, you know, uh, we're all licensees we're active, we can sell. Um, but when you subscribe to be that realtor, I think it really shows the the client, the customer that, you know, we're taking it seriously to take it a step further and that we're subscribing to to treat everybody fair and equitably, you know, and to, to make sure that we're educated and that we're not going to work outside of our box and that, you know, they're going to get the best representation possible. Now, there's always the bad egg out there. It's going to happen. But, but for the most part, it helps you eliminate a lot of that because, you know, uh, State by state, area by area, the education that you're getting, what you're required to do is a little bit different. But ultimately, that realtor is going to be the, if you will, the most educated authority in that. And and the reason that you're going to want to work with a realtor is because there's so many ins and outs and um, pros and cons and ups and downs that you just don't know in a transaction. You know, um, funny enough, I'm actually working with some clients right now that have sold their home and bought homes, probably two or three. And uh, this experience now, uh, she just told me on the phone the other day, she's like, wow, 
I didn't realize all this kind of went in that you've just kind of done now and what I've either had to do and chase down and make time for with, you know, a husband and two kids and all this, or, you know, it's just done. I was like, well, that's part of what we do. We help facilitate. You're moving to our region. You don't necessarily know contractors here to come give you a quote on this or that, or if they do, you don't know if they're reputable or have a, or, or know them. So, you know, when you're using that local market expert, it's, it's really important to, uh, you know, it's going to benefit you in the end. You know, it's, again, these highlights here, so, you know, we provide ethical treatment. I mean, we're charged by our code of ethics, and uh, we're self-policing. Uh, and uh, there's, there's, like I said, there's some bad acts, but we have a way to, uh, to uh, move in, into another vocation, hopefully, and get them out of our system uh, professionally and ethically. Uh, but we also uh, uh, provide expert guidance, as you were talking about, uh, through our reports and our knowledge of our area. We provide objective information and opinions on zoning, utilities, schools, uh, and it's an opinion, uh, but it's objective. We expand our search power because of the MLS, the multiple listing. It gives us that resources that's up to date. That's uh, timely. And the other thing that I enjoy is negotiating. What about you? You know, I really do love the power of negotiation. Um, it, it's always fun. I mean, real estate is something new every day. When, when every transaction is totally different, you may think it's going to be storybook, textbook, but it, it will always throw you that left ball, kind of like 2020 thrown us off. But it, um, the negotiation, I, I really love, and I love explaining it to my clients. And honestly, like I, I work with developers and people that that buy and sell all the time, and I mean, I love those transactions. I get a lot out. I really love the few first-time home buyers I work with within a year because they're just like sponges yeah, and they're too. willing to know. And I love educating them on that process, you know. Um, for example, North Carolina, a lot of people still don't realize that, you know, when you sign that contract, that's all the negotiation you get. You may try to come back and renegotiate the contract after your due diligence period, but if, if the seller doesn't want to budge, they're not legally bound to budge because every contract in North Carolina is an as-is contract. That's correct. And so you have to take those things into consideration, you know, when you're negotiating. And to me, it's always kind of that game of, you know, what is our end goal? What are our red flags? And how to do it. So uh, every negotiation is completely different. Um, now, granted, a lot of people are very amicable. And if, if crazy things are found, then, you know, we'll come back and retalk. But, um, you know, it's not always guaranteed. So you've got to really make sure you've done your research and your due diligence up front. Um, and especially in the current market space with the fact of how quick homes are going and how much over asking price they're going because, honestly, there's five people behind you that want to buy it. And, and these, these sellers are not going to, you know, bounce around over nitpiddly stuff. So you've got to be able to understand and negotiate that gate for your clients. And uh, it's definitely part of the game. So I, I'd agree with you. It's part of one of the most fun things in the, in the, within the transaction that I love doing is the initial negotiation. When I uh, teach my classes after the, the national anthem in every class, I always do that. I'm proud of our country. But um, in our introductions, uh, I kind of say, I make a statement. I say, you know, we're not real estate agents and we're not realtors. And I get real quiet, and there's always one, Randall. And they say, well, Lou, what are we? And I'll say, well, in my opinion, we're professional problem solvers. Now think about it. Because everything mm -hmm. starts with, hey, Lou, I got a problem. I need to buy something. Or, hey, Randall. I got a problem. I need to sell something. Isn't that true? It is. And every transaction has twists and turns, and <laughs> you think it's going oh smooth there on Rocky Road, which is, you know, kind of funny because I draw it back and I've, I've made this analogy to folks this year is the fact that, you know, for the most part, realtors have been very resilient this year and been able to, to bob and weave and adapt because the day you become a realtor, you've been bobbing and weaving.
nine to five job or, or not had those curveballs within their job, whether it's nine to five or not, uh, realtors and, and doing real estate, we've we've become very accustomed because every transaction is, is a roller coaster and there's curves and twists and turns that you don't even expect. You open a door and there's you know there's a, a burning inferno, and you may be handling five of those at one time. Yeah. So uh, you know I think we're very versed to that. So the the, the current situation in the, in the nation is you know not hindered us as much because it's just what we do. Well, you know, I become your priest, your rabbi, your marriage counselor, your uh, medical physician. Uh, you know, I need a dentist. Okay, call my. I mean, you know, I I, I I get to wear all these hats, and I love it. You know, it, it's like, almost like uh, being an actor and actress uh, in in a way because you get to play all these different roles uh, in a real estate transaction. And uh, very true. It's really a lot of fun. Um, and uh, you know, of course, the, the, we've got the power of, of property marketing because uh, we just have such a large universe of information, again, because of the multiple listing uh, uh, programs that we have. So uh, anyway, I hope we've given you, you know, we've we, uh, given you some ideas of why to work with a realtor. Uh, you know, neighborhood knowledge, we got price guidance, uh, market condition information, professional networking, uh, resources, professional services, negotiating skills, and confidentiality is the most important. Handling volume of paperwork, and you know, I did a whole show on paperless real estate transactions. I think we're we're getting there faster and faster with DocuSign and some of these other things that we have. And I know, uh, being on the Commercial Forms Committee, that's something we look at is the ease of using these uh, uh, these um, these legal forms uh, that that uh, we're bound to. And of course, the education. And there's some of us like uh, you and I, Randall, that we're an exception. We, we're out there and we, we're wanting more knowledge and. Some realtors don't want it, and that's fine. That don't mean they're not good realtors. Uh, but, that's uh, exactly true. But, uh, you know, we all provide a good basic service, and some of us have more knowledge and more experience, and, and that's okay too. Uh, but, uh, and, you know, and we're, we're time managers because uh, uh, you, you get to a 1031 Lycon Exchange uh, real estate transaction, man, you better follow that clock because it's got deadlines so the IRS won't accept it. But, you know, even contracts. But, you know, we're, 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 we're hindered because there's a lot of, Hands in the pie too, because you got the appraiser, you got to wait on, you got the inspectors, you got to wait on. Now the, your radon's over the limit. Now you got to negotiate the mitigation for that, uh, and 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 the uh, the loan, the, the mortgage companies. I mean, they're just so backed up, it's crazy. Uh, so uh, it, it is, it is, you know. But uh, it's all good. Lou, I, I really appreciate you having me on today. It's been fun to, to have the conversation with you, you know. And uh, to those folks listening. Um, you know, I'm Randall Blankenship, and I'm in the Asheville, North Carolina area here in western North Carolina. I cover uh, cover all the five surrounding counties, actually, not just uh, Asheville and Buncombe. But uh, feel free to reach out to me, you know, if you've got questions or clients or what have you. Uh, I can always be reached at 828-424-0195, or you can email me. It's really simple. It's my initials, RB, at RandallBlankenship.com. That's R-A-N-D-A-L-L-B-L. A N K E N S H I P dot com. And again, really appreciate you having me on today, Luke. Well, Randall, you've been such a great guest. I'm going to give you about another three minutes. <laughs> so uh, we got a little bit more time. Uh, okay. But uh, that's fine. Just to, yeah. what, what, what makes you get up in the morning? You know, man, I, I love an adventure every day. So I uh, live in a gorgeous part of the country. So, you know, getting up and seeing the sunset in the morning, sometimes the sunset in the evenings, or getting up and doing that morning run um i love i love the outdoors so uh 
I also love good food. You know, Asheville is known for its uh, we've been farm to table for Lord knows how long here. So between that and the good beer, um, one of the things I have to do is run so that I can, you know, stay somewhat in shape because otherwise I, I it would get out of hand real quick because uh, it, it's just so good. Just a little bit about your market. Uh, I just pulled some stats actually off of your um, uh, association website, which is a great resource too, guys. So. What, what's the what's the uh, website? It's um, I thought I wrote, wrote it down. Uh, so our local website for the Board of Realtors is lotsar.org. L O T S A R dot O R G. You know you can find me on my on my realtor webpage, and that's going to be you know cbashville.com with Recallable Banker King, and uh, you know you can just click down and find me on there, and we've got market stats that we post on a regular basis um, as well. So the most current one that I saw was November of this year. 2020 says the medium list price uh, again based on square footage in Asheville is about $278 a square foot and um, and November 2020 uh, was uh, 273 um, says distressed properties such as foreclosures and short sales remain uh, at the same percentage of the total market in December Asheville North Carolina real estate market statistics are calculated by uh, Movoto M-O-V-O-T-O every day what is Mavoto? I didn't pronounce it right. Um, that is one of the sources that pulls the aggregate of data. Okay. Um, I honestly go to uh, our Canopy MLS website's got a lot of the great current data that we pulled straight from MLS on there. Okay. Um, so in those market reports, you can definitely find on there, and that's Canopy MLS. Um, and it uh, through there through Carolina Home, you can uh, look at the stats, and you can look at the Asheville region. You can look at just Asheville. You can look at Buckle County. You look at Haywood. You can look at Henderson. And I tell you, it's got it's got a plethora of data. Again, that data is being aggregated through the MLS, so uh, it's a really, really good source on that. It says also that they display information on foreclosures, short sales, REOs, those real estate owned uh, properties, and both charts and graphs, so you can see the percentage of distressed listings in Asheville, which there probably aren't that many. Um, and then they also comprehensive source for the Asheville property information, and uh, what a great resource. So, uh, Rodney, we're ready to close out. Hey, you've been a great guest today. Randall, you're more than welcome to come back. Uh, stay on until we close out here. I want to tell you goodbye, so don't hang up on me. No, but, no worries. Okay, thanks. Thank you for joining us today. Let us know how you like the show. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to suggest, we would appreciate them. All of our questions are welcome, and all of our guests may be emailed with your questions as well. The show is for the public and most importantly for the real estate agents who do not have a good source of land education. Thank guys. All of our shows are downloaded after the show this morning on our master website, which is www.letstalkland.net, no apostrophe, L-E-T-S, talkland.net, okay, .net. You can also find us on Spotify and Podbean. My email is lou, L-O-U, at mylandpro.com. My cell phone number is 336669. 1405. And I'd like again to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com. If you're looking to buy or sell land, LandHub previews thousands of properties nationwide. Roddy, how do they get in touch with us here? Well, they can go to our website, Lou. They can go to WKTE1090.com. And also, we got a simple radio app. How simple is it? Very simple. Even Shadow can do it. Shadow can do it? Yeah. That's my doggy. Yeah. Shadow. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed. You are, aren't you? So they can either go to the website, yes, WKT 1090 AM, yep. 
or, or you can just to go the, to Spotify. Yeah, Simple Radio Sim- app. I mean, Simple Radio app. Yeah, yep, thank and you. And download the uh, app there, and you can listen to us anywhere in the world. The whole uh, world. The whole world. Wow. Yeah. And we only play happy music. That's correct. Only happy music. Beats, music, and you. oldies. That's right. Every day. You mm-hmm. want to be happy. That's right. And we want some nice awards. And everybody wants to be happy. Of That's course. right. Uh, we won it five years in a row, being the top radio stations on the East Coast for Beach and Oldies. No way. Yes. And you got a nice award. Yeah, last year for the 2019 Announcer of the Year Award. wonder why. Well, we might get... Uh, Randall. Get, Ra- yeah, Randall Ra- might. Ra- yeah, Randall's Randall, coming back. Randall's Randall might come back. Uh, be in the competition there for well, me. Well, I love competition. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll see you next week.